Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoyed today's program. One of the last books to be added to the canon of the New Testament was the Epistle of James. Throughout the centuries, believers have had very different attitudes towards this book. Some believers treasure it to the uttermost, granting it a status of being among the very top books in the Bible. Others, drawing a comparison between James and Proverbs, may feel that it would better fit in the Old Testament, while some have questioned whether it belongs in the Bible at all. Why would such a book give rise to these varied opinions? The message of the book is very clear and straightforward. The language is lovely, even poetic in places. And the author had great credibility because scholars agree that this was the James that was the Lord Jesus' flesh brother. And he was also the leading elder in the first church, the church in Jerusalem. Well, we believe that the life study we begin today will give us a very solid answer to this intriguing question. Ron Kangas has joined us for our first program. And Ron, we'll hear Witness Lee say that even Martin Luther went so far as to call it an epistle of straw. Why such varying opinions, do you think, regarding this book? The reason, I believe, for the different opinions lies in the text of the book of James itself. We'd like to make it clear at the outset, we are by no means questioning the inspiration of this book. It's God-breathed scripture. And we are now questioning the decision made to include it in the canon of the New Testament. This has been settled, and we believe that decision was made under the leading of the Spirit and under the sovereignty of God. But we are here in the ministry presenting the life study of the Bible right. to Christians that are pursuing the Lord and love his word. And we have to admit that there are some features of the book of James that are perplexing. Why, for example, does he address his epistle to the 12 tribes? I mean, let's admit this is odd. Peter was an apostle mm-hmm. to the Jews as was James, and he wrote to the Jewish believers that were dispersed. But James wrote to the 12 tribes of Israel, an Old Testament designation. Why does he speak of the synagogue? Why does he say so much about the law, speaking this and that about the law? In addition to this, I admit this is somewhat finer, but still, it's valid. There's a certain tone in James that is very much Old Testament and has that kind of flavor. Right. And so, we don't want to prejudge 
We don't want to be in haste. But let me just say that if we read the text of James carefully and compare it, say, with Paul's epistles, we should have some questions. We should have some concerns. And the main question might be, how do we account for the juxtaposition in James of wonderful utterances, such as in the very first verse, James referring to himself as a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. clearly indicating that James came to recognize that his older brother in the flesh, and James was the brother, not the cousin of the Lord, was God in the flesh. That's wonderful. And he takes the position of being a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is marvelous. Then he speaks of 12 tribes, and he speaks of the synagogue. So I would appeal to our listeners to have an open spirit and an open mind as we walk through the life study. I would encourage them to get the life study messages mm-hmm. and reread the book of James. And join us in making a sincere faithful attempt to rightly understand what is actually written in this book in light of the complete revelation in the New Testament concerning God's economy. If we do this, I believe we will be enlightened in a twofold way. First, we will receive light concerning the book of James and also the person of James in Acts. Right. More important, we may receive light concerning our concept of what the Christian life is and how different our concept is from God's view as revealed, especially in the writings of Paul. Paul, not James, is the pattern of a God-man, the pattern of a normal Christian. And if we receive light on the difference between being a good man, a pious man, a religious man, even a, quote, scriptural man, and being a God-man, we will receive very great help in knowing what it is to walk in the Spirit, what it is to live and magnify Christ, what it is to live an overcoming life in brief, what it is to live as a child of God. Well, let's take that, and I'm very satisfied to do so as a, our introduction to this life study and join Witness Lee with the first portion. We're going to touch on this verse you referred to, James 1.1. James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, rejoice. I thank the Lord. Tonight we come to James. This book was written by James. Who was James? According to the entire New Testament record, no one has any doubt about this James being the flesh brother of the Lord Jesus. But in his epistle, he says, I am a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus. He's Jesus, my brother, my elder's brother. Actually, when he was with us, I didn't love him so much. I wouldn't listen to him so much. To some extent, I despised him. And I did this in John 7. But eventually, after the Lord's crucifixion, 
and resurrection, even after his ascension. These flesh brothers of the Lord Jesus became such a believer that he would count his elder brother Jesus on the same rank as the very God, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Brother James, I admire at you. So wonderful. You would recognize one of your flesh brothers as God. You say you are a slave of God and of this Lord. You rank him together with God on the same level. This is very wonderful. Well, Ron, without any debate, there's much to admire and appreciate in this book. And and Witness Lee picks up one of these uh, strong points right from the beginning. You referred to it in the opening. Let's just come back to it for at least a a brief period. Uh, It's worth emphasizing and keeping in mind because we will eventually consider other aspects of this book and in faithfulness have to make other comments if we don't have a balanced view, right. there may be misunderstanding. James, in his opening words, defines himself in relation to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls himself a slave of God. And he goes on to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, the full title and designation. Surely this indicates that James was placing the Lord Jesus on the same level as God. He surely received some kind of revelation or enlightenment from the Spirit. In John 7, there is no indication that he was an exception among the brothers who did not believe in the Lord. That's what the text of John 7 says, neither did his brothers believe in him. They're kind of tempting him, go up to the feast, Mm -hmm. do something openly. But something marvelous happened between that time and the days after the Lord's crucifixion and resurrection. We know from the account in 1 Corinthians 15 that the Lord Jesus appeared to James. So let us respectfully give James credit as receiving the light along with the salvation and for his declaring that his own brother in the flesh was in fact God and the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. So this clearly places James among the believers. It clearly puts him in the New Testament. He surely is one who has the faith. But as we'll go on to see now, I think, right. He immediately goes on to speak of the 12 tribes in the dispersion. On the one hand, Jesus is God. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. James is his slave. On the other hand, the 12 tribes in the dispersion. It seems to me that this indicates some lack of clarity as to the status of the Jewish believers in the New Testament economy. What are they, not only in relation to the Gentiles, but in relation to the church of God? And let's be up front. 
we feel we have to say in faithfulness to what James actually wrote, that his writing indicates he was not altogether clear concerning the distinction between the Jews and the believers in Christ and the dispensational change brought in through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And strangely, his lack of clarity, along with the marvelous golden utterances that he says that are in keeping with the New Testament economy, this lack of clarity may help us realize we're just like James. And we need a lot of help and a lot of shepherding from the Lord to get a crystal clear view of God's New Testament economy and to rid ourselves from the influences of all the old religious things. All right. Nod has already set up this next portion, so all I need to do is say here's Witness Lee with our next portion. You know, I spend a particular time to check this verse. Could James say to the twelve tribes? Didn't he say to the believers among the twelve tribes? I ran to the Bible. I opened up to the believers among the twelve tribes. That was in my mind. I read the Bible that way. I couldn't find out to the believers among the twelve tribes. But to the twelve tribes, I said, my goodness. To the twelve tribes? Who are the twelve tribes? The entire Jewish nation. My, such a saint, James, wrote his saintly epistle to the twelve tribes. You may say, brother, the twelve tribes in dispersion, not the whole tribes. You're right. But not the whole dispersion were Christians. Anyhow, James referred to 12 tribes. And this is the title given by God to his chosen people in the Old Testament economy. But now this writer addressed the 12 tribes. This address indicates the liking of a clear view concerning the distinction between Christians and Jews, between God's New Testament economy and the Old Testament dispensation. God in the New Testament has delivered and separated the Jewish believers in Christ from the Jewish nation in his New Testament economy. God no longer considers the Jewish believers as Jews for Judaism, but as Christians for the church. They, as the church of God, should be as distinct and separate from the Jews as from the Gentiles. Paul says the Gentiles are the Greeks, the Jews, and the church. You see, three kinds of classifications of the people on this earth. The Greeks, the Gentiles, and the Jews, and the church. Yet, James, as a pillar of the church, in his epistle to the Christian brothers, still call them the 12 tribes. 
This was contrary to God's New Testament economy. Ron, we've already talked about this one again, but let's come back to it. I want to be sure that our listeners are clear. We have Paul's clear word in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 32. He says, do not become a stumbling block, both to Jews and to Greeks and to the church of God, clearly delineating only three classes of people now in the New Testament, a Jew, a Greek, or a member of the church. James almost is creating here a kind of fourth category, it seems, isn't he? It looks that way, because clearly he's a believer in Christ. Right. And clearly his concern is, as we'll see, with the the practical side of the Christian life. In chapter 5, he mentions the elders of the church. So, which is it? The 12 tribes in the dispersion, that the designation of God's people in the Old Testament economy, and then the church, the elders of the church. But he also speaks of someone coming into your synagogue. So, I think you're onto something about a fourth category. To repeat... What you said, based upon 1 Corinthians 10.32, the Jews that believe in God, but not in Jesus as the Son of God, the Greeks, that is the Gentiles, and then the church, the church of God. And we know from the New Testament record that in the churches were Jews who came to faith in Christ and Gentiles who came to faith in Christ. So the church is not a Gentile institution. Right. It is locally the assembly that includes all the believers in that city as the new man. All the different races are there with Christ as the constituent. So if one is enlightened and one is a Jew, as Paul was, he should realize that the Jewish believers are as separated from Judaism as they are from the Gentiles. And that the church, composed of Jewish and Gentile believers, is distinct and separate from both the unbelieving Jews and the unbelieving Gentiles. But your suggestion of a fourth category has merit because here is something that seems to be both Jewish and the church both the 12 tribes and the synagogue, and then the church with the elders. Right. So it's not fair to lump what James is saying with the Old Testament and say it's altogether Old Testament, it should be in the Old Testament. That's not accurate. Right. But we cannot say without qualification that James was absolutely clearly in the New Testament economy of God concerning Christ and the church, because if he had been that clear... He wouldn't have been using these terms from the Old Testament dispensation. So we will not say for certain, if I can bring your suggestion to a kind of final, although temporary, resolution, that James brings in a fourth category. But again, let's just say up front, James is not confused, but there is some mixture here, some lack of distinction some lack of discernment, some lack of clarity. What we're going to say, and we say it based upon much consideration, our brother James, the slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, was not 
sufficiently clear concerning the difference between the Old Testament economy and the New Testament economy and the status of all the believers, Jew and Gentile alike, in the New Testament economy of God. Because he was not clear, his writing is not clear, so you have wonderful statements about the Christian life and the church life and perplexing statements about 12 tribes and the synagogue. So, go figure. (laughs) Well, I'm going to, just at this point, because I think it's something we'll continue to do throughout this live study, repeat something you said in the very opening today, or our our first uh, dialogue, and that is that we certainly are not questioning the validity of James's epistle being included in the canon of the New Testament. We honor the divine arrangement and the Holy Spirit's inspiration and regard it on an equal plane with all of the books of the Bible. That is a given, but we just are trying to be faithful to the text and, as you said, and also the ministry uh, that has unveiled it in such a way. Ron, surely one of the benefits of James, I think we all agree, one of the reasons that the New Testament includes the book of James is the help it gives us in the practical Christian perfection. And that comes up very early in the book, in verse 2 and 3. And for time's sake, we're not going to go back to the tape of Witness Lee, but maybe you and I can have this fellowship to bring this out. But it'll be something we develop a lot in the coming programs, but at least we'll touch it introductorily. In verse 2 and 3, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, whenever you fall into various trials, knowing that the proving of your faith works out endurance. This is very practical fellowship, isn't it, about the kind of perfection or completion that we all need. It is practical Christian perfection, and uh, we need it. James was not theoretical. His burden was the daily living the practical outworking of one's relationship with the Lord. And he has many very good things to say concerning the practical side of the Christian life. And the first is being in various trials. He says, count it all joy whenever you fall into various trials. This takes some grace. Right. Then he tells us why that this is the proving of your faith. And the proving of your faith works out endurance. And the apostles had some significant things to say about endurance. Even the Lord himself told the church in Philadelphia, if you keep the word of my endurance, John said in Revelation that he was our companion in the tribulation and in the endurance and the kingdom in Jesus. In Hebrews, Paul speaks of running with endurance the race that is set before us. In this age where the whole world opposes God and opposes the testimony of Jesus, we need endurance. And if I could address the North American and specifically the USA context for a moment, this is not a strength among us as a people. And so, if a brother can come to us and supply us and help us to have endurance when we're in various trials, and even to have joy, and to shepherd us through the proving of our faith unto endurance, we should appreciate this. So, as we go through James, 
We need to be very fine. We need to be very clear in mind and discerning in spirit, not going to one extreme or the other. He's our brother. He believes that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior, and the Lord. He has the faith. He can help us on the practical side. But at the same time, there's this influence of the Old Testament economy. Right. That actually shapes much of his concept of what it is to have these characteristics, even what it is to have this Christian perfection. So we need to receive the help, but with discernment. We need to respect what the Spirit is saying to us through James, but we also need to recognize that James was in a developing situation. He himself was by no means as clear as Paul was concerning the New Testament economy. And we need to have this discernment in order to receive the benefit and to avoid any deviation into religion and self-perfection. That's the best I can do, Chris, in this introductory program. Well, I'm satisfied. Ron, that's our first program in this live study of James. We do hope you will contact us. Our toll-free number available for your comments, your questions. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. And we also hope that you'll ask about how you can get this printed live study of the book of James. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.